Hey guys, it's J.D. Flynn here. I am recording this week from the basement of my house. The basement is unfinished and it's kind of cold down here, but I made myself a little office and it works okay. My three kids are upstairs because school is canceled, so if you hear noise in the background of this podcast, it's probably just my kids. They say hi. These aren't ideal conditions for recording a podcast, but here we are. For the past week or so, our team at Catholic News Agency has been working remotely, just like a lot of Americans have, trying to help slow the spread of the coronavirus. We are all having to adjust. Of course, people who are actually suffering coronavirus are struggling so much more than our team is. So are healthcare workers dealing with the pandemic and families who have lost loved ones. And then there are the people who have lost their jobs or businesses in the economic collapse. This is the beginning of major changes for America. In that context, working from home shouldn't feel like that big of a deal. But still, it does take a little bit of getting used to. Some members of our team have been working from home much, much longer than we have in the U.S. Our correspondents in Rome have been working from home for weeks. And since March 9th, they've been on lockdown, along with 60 million Italians. Most restaurants in Italy are closed. Not takeout only, like in some parts of the U.S., they're closed. All non-essential businesses are closed. In Italy, you can get fined for leaving your home for anything other than a trip to the grocery store or the pharmacy. In today's episode, we'll bring you the experience of our Rome correspondents, Hannah Brockhaus and Courtney Mares, in their own words. And then, a former member of the Swiss Guard tells us about how his elderly parents are faring in the Italian city of Bergamo, one of the hardest-hit cities in Italy. The coronavirus pandemic is no joke, guys. Here's Hannah Brockhaus. In the morning and throughout the day, I hear the bells ring in nearby churches. After more than three and a half years living in Rome, these same bells had started to feel ordinary. But the morning of the first day of Italy's lockdown and a government-imposed quarantine, a day in which no public masses would be offered, I woke up surprised to hear the bells ringing as usual. In a world turned upside down by a virus, these bells have brought me encouragement and hope. The first week of quarantine was not easy, and though I'm feeling better now, I imagine there are still hard days to come. Days before the lockdown, I still felt far from the reality being faced in Northern Italy, and I still do, where the coronavirus has hit the country hardest. Rome went from postponing and canceling events to a total lockdown almost overnight. In the days following this massive change, further restrictions were introduced. The Vatican border closed, almost all businesses closed, parks closed, churches closed. I consider it a small mercy that many churches have been permitted to reopen their doors for the few people who can stop by on the way home from a sanctioned trip to the grocery store or pharmacy. Soon, even the hours at the supermarket will tighten. Acceptance and finding a new routine amid this is slow work. The first few days, people's comments of surreal in response to the photos passed around the internet of an empty Rome and St. Peter's Square peeled in my mind. But living in a Roman neighborhood, 
quickly released me from the dread and wonder caused by images of dreamlike cityscapes, wondrously tourist-free. In my neighborhood, life continues, if now restricted to the area between rooftops, balconies, and window ledges. Under quarantine, we have replaced the usual measures of time, the back and forth of work or school or nights out, with new traditions. A text message is passed around to tell us what we should do at noon or 6 p.m. when we will lean from our windows or step out on our balconies. You have likely seen videos of these new rituals. To me, these notes of a beloved Italian song or shouts of encouragement or the light of flashlights from within a dark apartment feel like signs of life we are extending to those around us from our private worlds. We're still here. We're doing okay. Of course, we are not so united in these signs that the messages don't sometimes get mixed, as my ears tell me when reached by the occasional cacophony of competing songs. From my window, I have also watched the more normal aspects of life continue. A woman hangs clothes to dry on her patio. A man and woman do squats and push-ups on the roof. A young couple plays with their baby on the sunshine-flooded terrace. I can just see the tip of someone's feet perched on a balcony railing, and I hear the sound of a soccer ball being kicked back and forth on a nearby sidewalk. And from her window, a white-haired Nona keeps watch over us all. But it isn't all balcony sing-alongs, open-air workouts, and shouts of Forza Italia. I've also heard shouts of anger. Like many people right now, I am working and living in the same space. My living room, which is also my dining room, is now also my home office. Meetings are by video call, interviews are all conducted by phone. I am becoming familiar with my apartment's light patterns, so that on a bright day, I stalk the sun around the rooms like the neighborhood cat stalks little green wall lizards. The house next door to my building has an actual yard, a yard in the center of Rome, can you imagine? I feel lucky just to get to look at it. And the other day, I was surprised to spot a turtle relaxing in the sunshine before it crawled off to get lost in the unkempt grass. The more I leave my windows open, the more I feel like I've become one with nature. One afternoon, I looked up from my laptop to see a swarm of small flying things in the air. Since I had no good way of shooing them out, I let them be for a while, and they departed on their own. A more exotic animal, one of Rome's wild parrots, which usually nests in a park a mile away, has also made a flying visit past my window. The sounds of birds chirping, now no longer drowned out by the city traffic, are interrupted instead by the cries of frustrated toddlers and the young couple's baby. The neighbor with the yard has taken advantage of spare time to address his long overdue yard work, including mowing the grass and using a chainsaw on the bushes and trees. One of the residents of my building continues his morning hobby of cutting tile with a wet saw. And somehow, new friendships are also blossoming in this time of crisis. A few weeks before the quarantine started, I met a friendly and helpful priest in confession, and we continued to bump into each other around church. He is semi-retired and assists at my parish, and, it so happens, lives just down the street from me. My family has been friends with priests, but it's the first time in my adult life I've just called a priest up on the phone to hear how he is. But because I can't see him at church or catch up with him on the street, I have called Don Luciano a few times, 
and he tells me he's staying at home, filling his time with prayer, offering mass and reading. We spoke about our intention to meet when this is all over, and he gave me his blessing over the phone. And in between writing, cleaning, cooking, and reading, I go back to practicing at the window for my turn to be a gray-haired Nona. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Kevin Jones. I'm a longtime journalist with Catholic News Agency. I want to thank you for listening to CNA Newsroom. We bring you the voices behind the headlines. We explore our world together with an eye towards our faith. If you enjoy CNA Newsroom as much as I do, be sure and subscribe to the show. You'll never miss an episode. Subscribing is easy and free on any podcast app, like Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Just open your phone's podcast app, then search for CNA Newsroom. Click the subscribe button. That way, you'll get our episodes as soon as we post them. Happy listening, and make sure you check out episode 22, featuring yours truly, Kevin Jones. Now, back to the show. Courtney Mares is CNA's newest Rome correspondent. She had been a reporter for CNA in Washington, D.C., but about two years ago, we asked her to move to the Rome Bureau, and she's been there ever since. Before the pandemic, Courtney was already a newlywed, living in a new country, speaking a new language, trying to navigate a lot. Then coronavirus came. In her essay, Courtney explains how the lockdown has brought her neighbors closer than they have ever been. Here's Courtney Mares. It is quarantine day 14, and I have never been more aware of my neighbors. There is a family with a small dog in the apartment above us that began a series of DIY projects involving hammers and drills shortly after Prime Minister Giuseppe Conti announced a 25-day national lockdown for the entire country of Italy. There is a middle-aged man out on his deck painting furniture in the apartment next to us and the old woman who lives across the courtyard in Building F, who just accidentally dropped some of her laundry that was drying out her window. The two of us both watched the dish towels slowly fall down to the ground from the fifth floor. In the apartment below her is a family with two young daughters. The youngest has decorated a banner with hearts and rainbows that hangs off their balcony. The banner reads, Andrà tutto bene, which in Italian means... Everything is going to be all right. She has since added two teddy bears to their balcony, as it added comfort to those of us looking on in Building O. As I sit on my small balcony writing an article about priests who have died from the coronavirus in Italy, I hear a woman singing opera voice exercises from somewhere in Building D, and a father and a son passing a soccer ball in the grassy courtyard below. A dog begins barking in the apartment complex across the street. The next-door neighbor's lab joins in, and soon it is the all-dogs alert, a dissonant symphony of barks and responses from restless dogs just as cooped up as the rest of us. My husband and I live in Rome, 
But our neighborhood isn't in the picturesque part of Italy that you might imagine. There are no grand historic buildings, narrow walkways, ruins or rolling hills. Every window in my apartment looks out upon, well, other apartment buildings. Our apartment complex is quite large with buildings labeled A through Q, but it is where the people are, lots of families and old married couples. I know this now because each day at 6 p.m., everyone in my neighborhood steps out onto their balconies or opens their windows and waves to each other. This nightly ritual began two weeks ago when someone forwarded me a text message calling on everyone in Italy to do a flash mob from their balconies in an attempt to raise the spirits of an entire population who cannot leave their apartments for weeks. While my neighborhood's first attempt at this was a little jarring, as everyone simultaneously began bashing pots and pans together, within a couple of days, everyone had settled into their roles for what's grown into a 30-minute ordeal each night at 6 p.m. One family always waves a giant Italian flag out of their window, while another father plays DJ, choosing songs ranging from the traditional Italian song Volare to an Italian cover of the 1982 hit Gloria for the rest of us to sway, bounce, and sing along. The neighborhood dance parties always conclude with the Italian national anthem. While the appeals to Italian nationalism do nothing for me, it is amazing the endorphin boost that you can get from making eye contact with a neighbor and waving back to them as they wave to you after spending all day inside one's apartment. Because of our nightly sing-alongs, I have now seen more of my neighbors in two weeks than I had in the past six months I had lived in the apartment prior to the lockdown. We live across the street from a metro and train stop that is a major commuting hub. Most people do not live in the neighborhood for its own sake, but for the convenience with which you can quickly go somewhere else. I am definitely guilty of keeping my head down and my earbuds in during my former daily walks back and forth to the metro to commute to work. Now my husband and I actively try to keep tabs on the now familiar faces of our elderly neighbors who appear in the window each night and bounce to the music. As far as we can tell, no one lives alone. This new ritual replaces the former one my husband and I had developed of tuning in every night to a daily 6 p.m. press conference in which an Italian official from the Ministry of Health dramatically reads off the daily statistics of how many people have contracted the coronavirus and how many have died. I remember sitting on the couch before the lockdown when the minister announced that the death toll had surpassed 100. That was less than three weeks ago. Now the government reports more than 5,000 people have died. I went into self-imposed quarantine at the end of February when I got the flu, and I worked from home for nearly two weeks. I had just recovered and re-emerged into society for about three days before Italy went into the mandatory national lockdown. So I've essentially already been quarantined for nearly a month. What a Lent to give up Netflix. But seriously, not being able to binge watch shows has forced us to find a better way to pass our time inside. The day after Italy's lockdown was announced, my husband and I made a trip to a local store 
to buy a battleship, a deck of cards, bingo, dominoes, a 1,000-piece puzzle creating the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, and, you know, other necessary quarantine supplies. Little did we know, hours later, further restrictions would be announced, and all non-essential businesses were ordered to close. The only legal option to get out of the house is to go to the grocery store. We live near two grocery stores. The line to enter one was a 30-minute wait the other day, and the line to enter the other was at least an hour's wait. This is because they only allow a few people total inside the grocery store at one time. In order to enter, you must be wearing a face mask and a scar- or a scarf covering your mouth, if, like us, you weren't able to buy a face mask. And you must add hand sanitizer to the outside of your gloves. Only one person per household is allowed to enter the grocery store. They keep adding new rules day after day as the coronavirus cases keep going up. One of the newest ones is only one person per household is allowed to enter the grocery store. I was pretty miffed when the grocery store bouncer turned me away after the long wait with my husband. The man in a face mask pointed to a spread out crowd of other rejected waiting spouses outside, most either smoking or coughing or both. I decided to pass. Staying at home doesn't seem so bad now that I've seen the outside. This is not the most difficult or restrictive circumstances I've lived through. I spent months sleeping on the floor on a mat when I was a missionary and had hot water at that time for only 30 minutes a day from 6 to 6.30 a.m. But the difference is that at that time, I had a better attitude. I had a sense of mission, a sense of purpose behind the sacrifice. I guess that is what I need to find now in these strange circumstances in which there is plenty to pray for and plenty to offer up in prayerful sacrifice for others. If nothing else, I hope that I'll emerge from this mandatory quarantine better equipped to actually fulfill the Lord's command, love thy neighbor, because in order to love your neighbors, it helps to know your neighbors first. Mario Ensler is an Italian, but he lives now in New Hampshire with his family. He's also a former Swiss guard for Pope St. John Paul II and a professor at the Catholic University of America. His parents, who are in their 80s, still live in Italy, and in normal times, they fly across to the United States frequently to see their grandchildren. Mario talks to them daily on FaceTime. When I talk to them, they always say, you know, oh, we said the rosary, we said three rosary today. But right now, Mario is worried. His mother and father live in Bergamo, in the northern part of the country, which has been hit especially hard by the coronavirus pandemic. The town's obituary section in the newspaper, which is normally two or three pages long, is ten pages long on average now filled with the names and pictures of elderly people who have succumbed to the virus. Although Mario's mom and dad are safely at home, with the army bringing them the food and supplies they need, there's no telling what might happen. If, God forbid, something happens to them, I can't get there right now. To make matters worse, today, Mario's dad started to display flu-like symptoms. Despite all this, Mario said his parents have not lost hope, and are keeping the faith by praying with their fellow parishioners, even if they can't get together in person. 
they have like a schedule that this young associate pastor came up with. And so uh, they have to do prayers at a certain time. So to me, I'm thinking, wow, look at God. He's looking at these old people in Bergamo that throughout the day, isolated in their homes, they are united in prayer in specific moments. How beautiful that is. In Bergamo, there are at least 5,000 cases of the virus already, and at least 20 priests have died. One of the priests was a good friend of the Ensler family. What is really hard for, for my parents as well as for me, but especially for my parents, is there are no funerals. For my parents is the fact that some of the priests that passed away, my mom and dad, they've known them for 60 years, and they could not go to the funeral. That's very sad. Mario says despite the suffering, he truly believes that the thousands of Hail Marys being said by the elderly in Italy will have great effect. He says the prayers may even help young people who are more likely to survive the pandemic to return to their faith. In Italiano, I don't know how to translate it in English. In Italiano si dice, non tutti i mali vengono per nuocere. Not all the mali, the bad things, they come to damage you. Through prayer, you know, through faith, we will be able to, to overcome this, you know. These tribulations gives us a better understanding that suffering, it's okay. That sacrificing, it's okay. And if God is asking us to suffer, we have to embrace our cross and do it. The most important thing right now, Mario says, is to lay everything at the foot of the cross. For CNA Newsroom, I'm Jonah McKeown. Just an update on this story. The day after we published this podcast, Mario emailed us to let us know that his dad, Alberto, died of the coronavirus. Please pray for Alberto's soul, for Mario, for Mario's mom, and for the entire Ensler family. Thanks. Tomorrow on the podcast, we will talk more about the impact of the coronavirus within the U.S. We'll talk with priests navigating the cancellation of public masses, a homeless shelter continuing to serve the poor, addicts navigating social distancing, and we'll share the story of a Marian coronation and Mary's protection of one school in St. Louis from the 19th century cholera epidemic. CNA Newsroom is a production of Catholic News Agency, a service of EWTN News. I'm your host and CNA's editor-in-chief, J.D. Flynn. We're produced and edited by Kate Oliveira and Jonah McKeown. Our executive producer is Kate Oliveira. A very special thanks this week to Hannah Brockhouse and Courtney Mares. Wash your hands, everybody. See you tomorrow.